Drugs. Rights. Quality of life. Recovery. Harm reduction. Advocacy. Policy. Treatment. Stigma. Drugs Uncut. The Scottish Drugs Forum Podcast. Hi there and welcome to Drugs Uncut, the Scottish Drugs Forum Podcast. It's Mental Health Awareness Week and this year the theme is kindness. Being kind to others can go a long way, but being kind to yourself is just as important. Today we're looking at burnout and how this can really impact on people who spend their time supporting others. Joining Austin and Kirsten to discuss how we can recognise it and do something about it is our SDF colleague Katie McLeod. Katie designs and delivers training with us here at SDF, as well as carrying out research on a number of topics. Her main interests include emerging drug trends, harm reduction, safer nightlife and mental health and trauma. So sit down, grab a cuppa and join them for the conversation. So welcome everyone, you're joining us for um, a chat today about Mental Health Week where the theme is kindness Um, and we were discussing uh, as a team what would be useful to to think about in terms of um, our work in the organisation and us as individuals, what what we find um, happens within people that we work with in the workforce. Um, So some of the key themes that came out were things around um, managing burnout um, in ourselves because that has a real impact on our ability to be kind um, not only to our clients but also to ourselves so hopefully we'll have some useful tips around uh, recognising burnout in ourselves and others and also think about some self-care as well so yeah we thought we'd just have a little bit of a chat today about it. Yeah and, and also I suspect that when the theme was chosen, uh, it was done some time ago before uh, we were all under lockdown and people's work lives were so disrupted. So we're all disrupted whether we're delivering services uh, directly to people or we are working from home or whatever. Uh, I mean, that all impacts and the stuff we're talking about here, uh, particularly, I think, in terms of people recognising uh, how hard they're working, how difficult their work is, how tired they are or how stressed they are. So no, normally in your working day you have a routine or you hope to have a routine of some kind and by three o'clock you feel like this and by four o'clock you feel like that. And you know it's a good day or a bad day or you've been particularly uh, stressed because you have uh, signs and symptoms as it were. Uh, but when you're working from home that becomes all quite complicated and particularly for people who've got other stressors at home uh, because of their own care responsibilities or other things that are going on with our neighbour and our neighbourhood. Uh, so to, to me, that's that, that's one of the consequences we'll never know, the real impact of that, uh, that the lockdown's had on just mental health and mental wellbeing of uh, workers who are in stress and stressful work anyway. Sure, I think it's so important and, and it'll be so different for different people. It'll be it'll be affecting everyone differently. Like whether you're stuck at home and you're isolated and you're working from home and the intensity that can sometimes come from that, uh, either if you're completely on your own or if you've got family at home as well. So the, there's two completely different scenarios. Or if you're working on the front line um, and you're working in drug treatment services or you're working in homelessness services and you're out there and you're seeing people Uh, struggling with the consequences of the lockdown and the COVID pandemic anyway. So I think there's a whole range of different stuff that we could capture in talking about uh, the effects on everyone's mental health. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really interesting point, you know, because when when I was thinking about this, um, you know, I was thinking about all the stuff that comes out of training and actually 
we're starting to put like at least some sort of exercise and burnout and all like the the staff training because I guess a common theme is that um when you're working on the front line the focus obviously as it should be is about you know our clients but sometimes we can get a wee bit lost in that and you know we're we're running about often you know with really high levels of workload high caseloads and I'm just thinking in the current Covid climate um people are having to work in really different ways there's a lot of pressure in adapting practice and doing things differently um which there's some real benefits from but there's also like massive pressure on workers to be okay and just respond to all these changes and probably also something around realizing how bad a lot of the clients that we support have it so it can sometimes make us reflect on what we have ourselves um, and really appreciate what we've got which is great but sometimes it can mean that we feel a little bit unjustified and having a bad day because we're dealing with people that you know, are, are rough sleeping, we're trying to accommodate them, things like that. And uh, and we feel a bit guilty, I suppose, when we have a rough day ourselves and, and it's really hard to then be kind to ourselves, I think. Yeah, why should I be feeling like this when I've got a home to go back to and I've got this and that and, you know, there are people in a much worse sort of situation than myself. Yeah, I definitely think that's a part of it. And mm-hmm. then feeling guilty for, for not feeling on top of things all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and and the fact that the impact of all of that, well, you have all that kind of stuff in your head as well, impacts on your ability to deliver a service. So so and to to be kind to to, uh, think of the theme, you know, and and to function in your role as you would want. I mean, I, I, we were talking earlier, and I suppose you know that that's the thing that you know there's that's. What, feeling of guilt that you shouldn't feel like this or that maybe this work isn't for you because you become burned out and stressed and so on uh, and and that in itself is distressing uh, and you know so that that kind of doubt that we all have uh, that whole imposter syndrome and all the rest of it that people carry carry with them suddenly uh, be, that becomes an issue that people think well maybe I can't do this job and people lose their confidence and their ability to have the confidence to actually do their job effectively. Mm-hmm. I mean where I've seen burnout uh, most heavily affect people in the work that I do so my work's all around drug deaths, drug death prevention, um, the naloxone programme and I guess the biggest impact that I have seen um, on staff has been that can well one for people who are right on the front line and reversing overdoses pretty much every day as part of their role and um, that the intensity of that and the constant I guess um being on edge all the time and making sure that people are okay mm-hmm. um, and then constant because it's no small feat to be administered naloxone in an emergency situation that is a massive deal like somebody has been about to die you've administered a medication that's potentially saved their life. So um, I think sometimes that's just because it's happening so frequently for some people, that's just become, well, that's their job and they just get on with it and they do that. But it's actually a a big deal and -hmm. something that, you know, I I guess we'll go on to talk about um, how we would manage stress and, and that kind of things. But that sort of thing, um, don't under, we don't need to underestimate how big an impact that can have on people. And also the other side of it is 
people who are working closely with people in drug treatment services um, and the rates of drug-related deaths. So having worked closely with people for a number of years, maybe, and then that person dies and the impact that that can have on staff um, from losing their clients is huge. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you're right, Kirsten. You know, I think all that stuff is is there somewhere. So sometimes on the surface, we're actually managing quite well. But, you know, I guess like a lot of psychological theories would say something about, you know, that that stuff has to go somewhere, you know, that kind of level of stress. Um, so it probably is floating about there somewhere. But yeah, it's just about like sort of awareness of, I guess, what other signs and symptoms you might recognise. So, you know, I don't know if there's certain things that you might recognise, the things that come up for me are, um, you know, if I'm thinking about my own practice and things like that, because I still do a little bit of clinical work and, you know, I guess I would notice my personal signs and symptoms as being like, maybe if I'm a bit more negative, you know, because generally I'm pretty positive and, um, you know, certainly positive and enthusiastic about working with clients. But if I start feeling a bit more exasperated or kind of dreading working with people or um you know I guess generally just irritable and things like that you know um maybe maybe problems with sleep they might be the the kind of main things motivation probably as well if I feel less motivated that's generally when I'm not feeling at my best I think I, I probably uh, similar to some of those things as well I think for me I mainly feel it when I get overly absorbed in the work to the point where I don't take a minute off. So like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm working all day and then I'm doing work things at night and then I'm thinking about work things and then I'm going to sleep thinking about work things. Um, so it's not so much that I'm getting stressed about it, but that I'm just overthinking everything all the time. And I always notice that as a, I find that really draining and that's normally a sign for me that I need a holiday or, or something. I, and, and also it used to be the case that, um, and this is maybe when we'll come and talk about coping strategies later, but it used to be the case as well that I would get really um, I absorbed in the social media side of things as well and um, really be checking Twitter about work stuff all the time. And then if anything I negative was on Twitter, it would infuriate me. <laughs> like So I've definitely learned ways to kind of, strategize to make sure that I don't let that sort of thing stress me out anymore yeah I mean I, I, I self-awareness is a wonderful thing but I, I suspect uh, I suspect I, I don't know what I do when I'm very stressed but I know when I'm a bit stressed uh, what I tend to do and this is difficult for other people is I kind of withdraw I just become more and more quiet and so I, I uh, which isn't my nat natural mode so I suppose that's uh, people have to we have to know some people well enough to know what their coping mechanism is and that something that actually seems quite uh, trivial, that you're a bit quieter one day, is actually the same as somebody else who's shouting. You know, it's it, people are, uh, in, in a work situation, colleagues can be very hard to uh, read or the way they react to their stress can be something that, you know, is stressful for others as well, you know, so... Sympathy isn't the first thing, or concern isn't the first thing that people maybe feel what they feel is uh, annoyance or frustration with somebody's behaviour. Yeah, and I think that comes up in the training a lot when staff are talking about burnout, that, you know, it can be like one extreme to the other, like, you know, either people start withdrawing and avoiding certain elements of work, or exactly what you're saying, Kirsten, as well, like almost like taking on everything, it's like, oh, it's me that has to do this, and like, I can't hand this over to anyone else, and... 
you know, it, it can just be like different extremes for different folk, you know. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And in, in terms of like impacts, you know, um, so I suppose I, I was kind of touching on it. Um, you know, when I think about like impact on clients, like often what you notice on a training session, if people are, um, I guess, struggling um, in, in their job or whatever. And, and maybe sometimes, I guess it can come up for us where we might see maybe quite negative attitudes and values towards uh, clients. Um, and I certainly remember early in my training career getting super frustrated about, you know, how can frontline workers like feel like this, you know, because um, like that will be having such an impact on the clients. And I think the more time has went on, I've really started to draw the links to generally what's happening for staff when that's going on is like they're actually feeling really unsupported um finding it difficult to get the chance to operate good self-care and you know a lot of that sort of stuff may be coming from burnout so sometimes the sort of institutional stigma that we can see uh that's where it, it can be connected to you know so i don't i don't know what your sort of experiences are on that yeah, well, limited a bit. To, yeah, I mean, I think I think that it's all in there, isn't it? But one of the key things, I suppose, is that it's that self doubt. It's that maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Uh, maybe the way I viewed the world is wrong, and everybody else in the whole of society's message about this group of people I work with is that they can't be changed or uh, they're not open to engagement with people like me or to treatment or whatever. Um, there's an element of that, and the and the other thing I've seen, and I, I think of a, a, an example that I found very shocking at the time was years ago a, a woman who was a, a colleague who was greatly respected uh, suddenly decided she was going to stop working in the the care sector, uh, not to identify her, uh, in Glasgow and go and do a completely different job. I mean, uh, working basically in the commercial sector, and I, I remember asking somebody, I said, you know. She, she cares so much, and so, someone said to me, but you haven't met her recently, she can't care anymore. And people just become unable to, to function in their role, uh, which, you know, which is hugely uh, regrettable that somebody would get to that stage. But all of that is burnout. Um, and what we need to do is to identify it early um, and, and to have some, as you say, coping mechanism or whatever, some way of alarm bells going and dealing with that and treating it as a normal thing rather than waiting until it gets to some kind of crisis for people. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I've known loads of um, people that have gone on to do completely like really good workers, um, really kind, caring practitioners that have gone on to do something just completely different um, mm. because they did get to that point where they just could not do the work anymore and it was massively related to burnout um, and, and lack of support. Yeah, and I think I think that's such an important thing because it's like, you know, certainly when I I've been thinking about you know when I've been doing like counselling training and things like that, it's a theme that is is mentioned a lot. Um, and it's about recognising those signs and symptoms early on because I guess you often talk about like compassion fatigue or vicarious trauma, which really is a a a kind of sign of untreated burnout if you like because I think one thing that comes up for me when I think about burnout is it's a totally natural thing that actually happens to probably most people at some point you know so it's not you know it's, it's not something I would want a takeaway message that people would be like oh my gosh it's really bad I'm experiencing burnout it's actually just a result of 
that empathic engagement that we have with with the people that we support but it's more what we do with that when we notice so exactly what you said earlier on Austin you know when you're starting to get a little bit like that but when you're maybe much more stressed it's much harder to recognize and I suppose that's the bit that um can be useful for people working on is just like what are my personal signs um and how do I prevent it getting worse and you know I, 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 as you say, it's a symptom of, of somebody caring, being em, empathetic and so on. So actually, I mean, the colleagues we should worry about is a person that never has any sign of uh, burnout or uh, has never had those feelings. And hopefully they're a small minority and, and maybe do move on to work in other fields. This this is part of the, the territory and, and the work we're in. Uh, and I, 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 I would caution people about having any kind of culture where... Uh, there's a sense of bravado, uh, or a kind of, for want of a better word, a kind of macho culture where people think, "Oh, this this is normal, and uh, I'm I'm the best at handling it. Uh, this is normal, and let's hand, handle it and, and uh, address the issue rather than uh, have it as a badge of honour or whatever." And so, you know, what about things about like I guess being. Uh, kind to ourselves and things like that maybe like our own experiences of self-care and yeah maybe what we share with like um you know the workforce and things like that maybe through training or some of the other work that we do in STF. So so work focused stuff for me I guess when I'm talking with people who are dealing with overdoses and drug related deaths one of the most important things that I always say to people is to talk about every experience with somebody whether that's in supervision or whether that's with supportive colleagues or friends I'm just about the experience of that like whether it's been that you've administered naloxone in an emergency situation and you think oh well everybody else in the organization does it so it's fine and I should just get on with it it's part of my job I think it's more important to actually talk through it and talk through how you felt and how that experience was and also if you've had deaths in service as well I think it's so important to talk that through because what you end up what ends up happening is if staff don't talk about it the individuals left thinking oh my god what was it something I did was there something else I should have done um could we have done this any differently and there will be organizations that do have like um fatal accident inquiries and stuff like that but they don't always happen um and they certainly don't always involve the key staff that worked with that person so talking through that kind of stuff is so important and not just seeing it as well it's part of my job so I just need to deal with it and get on with it it's so important to to discuss it with somebody that you trust yeah, and I think organisationally, people, a lot of that's left to uh, colleagues and peers within teams uh, because they're, they're front line and it's dealt with. But um, and some of it must lie with management. I mean, in, t- in terms of supervision and support, people should be getting regular uh, supervision and support and it should have that space in it where people can talk about this stuff, frankly, and the impact it's had, had on them. If, if we could have more effective supervision, we would have far less burnout and we would have far more productive teams uh, who weren't getting to that crisis stage and, and having people leaving the field and so on, um, as does happen. And I think it's modelling some of that as well, because I guess, you know, I'm sure we've all had sort of experience of it, like, you know, where you might be like managing a service or a team or whatever and you know, you're kind of saying it's really important to people that are are working um, in the organisation, but then sometimes we're not doing it ourselves. So, you know, things like even just 
particularly in the current climate of taking proper breaks and I think even more so now than ever screen breaks you know which actually so many of us like work at our desk or you know like you said earlier Kirsten you're working late into the night because you're kind of like oh I could just get that done tonight but you're kind of trying to really take those like proper time out because you know you're just more effective in general you know when you've had like proper rest times you know yeah certainly on a personal level they they're the sort of things that I make sure that I do when I'm working at home so I've um hopefully you've not been able to hear him screeching in the background but I do have a puppy if, if anybody's not heard me saying that already then <laughs> I don't know how because I think I say it 10 times a day mm-hmm. um, but that's been like amazing for me because it's forced me to have breaks away from the computer because I've, I've had to take him out um, but also I make sure that every day I go a walk myself with my headphones on and I listen to an audiobook, something that's completely unrelated to anything work stuff. A story, like I like a wee story. So it makes me switch off for everything else and it makes you concentrate. Like if I'm listening to music, I'll sometimes have the music on, but I'll be thinking about work stuff. But I find for me, if I'm listening to an audiobook, it really makes me concentrate on that rather than anything else. So I'll always find that pretty good. Mm-hmm. And just trying to factor in regular holidays as well. I mean, in normal circumstances, I try and do that every few months so that I know that I've got a break coming up. But in this intensity of working from home, I'm still making sure that I at least have some times where I'm taking days off, even if it's just to have time away from the laptop, just to give yourself that kind of recharge. Um, I think that always helps and if I like to get one more thing in as well the social media side like mm. I cannot emphasize enough uh, the, the negativity and the toxicity that can sometimes come from social media can be overwhelming and you, you absolutely have to switch off from that so whether it's about having a social media break whether it's just about not getting involved in back and forward um Uh, sort of debates with people about something really negative online um like there's absolutely no point in wasting your energy in that type of stuff so I would always I always refrain from getting involved in any of the social media kind of arguments and debates back and forward because it's just it's just not good for you to be involved in that all the time yeah it's such a a, an interesting point because you know I'm just thinking about uh, my client work you know and social media anxiety probably is probably one of the main presenting issues that kind of runs across and just so like linked into self-esteem and um you know issues around that uh, for people you know and and I think it can creep in really slowly as well I think we don't always identify it as making us feel um not so good and you know, I guess um, you see a lot of people like, um, I guess, needing to reach out to people, not quite knowing how to do it, like, you know, maybe like person to person and you can kind of sort of tell from how they're using social media, like where their mental well-being is at as well, you know, and like that that can be quite challenging sometimes as well. So it's, you know, I guess it's just trying to encourage people to, like you say, reflect on that, maybe limit it's a certain amount of time a day or whatever you know and maybe like particularly around sleep hygiene and things like that thinking about not really late into the evening so even from the point of view of like that blue screen and the kind of clickbait mentality that you get you know where you're like reading stuff all the time you know like that is like super addictive when we're talking about working with substance use you know social media is definitely up there in terms of dependency isn't it so yeah um and of course, that, that's it's symptomatic of just wider stuff, and particularly stuff that's going on at the moment, moment for people. You see that with social media, don't you? Like, there's like 
we talked about the downsides, but loads of real benefits right now, you know, even being able to do this and, you know, be able to do like sort of group calling and things like that. And particularly where people are more isolated from their family members or, you know, friends, peer groups and things like that. You know, obviously there are a lot of online meetings and stuff like that happening and it's like really important to sort of acknowledge within the workforce um a lot of us are in recovery and things like that as well and it's just like thinking about all the different online sources and meetings and whilst they don't replace face-to-face um you know there, there, there's that stuff there no and it doesn't replace face-to-face but actually in my personal experience you become better at it engaging in this way it's becoming more and more natural and actually you'd it becomes more and more like a normal conversation, but uh, you know that 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 must be difficult for people, uh, and that even that physical contact for people that are, are on their own. Uh, I know if you're in recovery communities, there's a lot of hugging goes on and all that kind of thing. And that, that kind of physical thing is 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 lost in it almost entirely in a, in a online stuff. And I suppose I'm just thinking when I'm thinking about personal strategies. You know, it's like a bit like what you're saying, Kirsten. You're kind of getting into things that maybe you didn't always do before. You know, I'm just like you know I've definitely been doing a bit more music and stuff recently you know so things that I've been meaning to do for ages so getting you know instruments out you know like it was in the loft pulling out an old synthesizer you know from the many years ago and just just enjoying that yeah <laughs> so the album's coming out soon yeah <laughs> lockdown album yeah in terms of my own coping mechanisms I'm not particularly inventive in terms of coping I've uh, started eating better by cooking all my own food uh which you know, and it's which has helped to get me a kind of pattern in my day, which I I don't have normally. So normally I just come in and I have something that happens to be sitting in the fridge. But I've actually been going out and shopping and thinking about what I'm doing, and uh, taking a bit of time over it and enjoying it, and eating a wee bit later in the evening, and all of that has allowed me to just walk away from whatever activities are stressing me out. But I think doing something is important, and particularly if your mood's low as well. It's not just about stress. If your mood's low. Uh, I've been talking to people, my family, my own social circle about this. Yeah, if your mood's low, to, to actually think, I'm going to achieve something today. And that's where all that, you can't buy flour in the supermarket comes from, because everyone's baking cakes and trying to fill up their afternoon or whatever it is, or entertain their children or whatever. Um, but a lot, a lot, that's the thing that's helped me in, in, in aspects of having a low mood in the past has been around just simple tasks and having something that's got a beginning, a middle and the end, a product at the end that you can take some pleasure in and uh, feel some sense of achievement. Actually, one of the um, one of the big things that I use to deal with stress is the gym. And I like to go to the gym and lift weights. And I really use that as a strategy for avoiding stress and uh, and getting some of my stress out. So that's been quite interesting because obviously the gym's closed. Um, I'm not really a workout at home person. So there'll be a lot of people in that similar boat as well that use uh, that type of exercise. Um for for avoidance of stress um that are not getting access to that now so i guess just try to find other ways of exercising um never underestimate the impact exercise on your mental health for sure so uh just walking for me has been the main one i know so i guess it's finding a strategy that that works for you isn't it and like all of these things and maybe one of the resources that we'll kind of share is like the self-care wheel it's kind of in all these different domains like so thinking about yeah everything from nutrition to sleep to doing stuff that's just nice for yourself I guess it would be remiss of me not to mention things like um meditation and things like that and just the real benefits that 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 can have and certainly one of our colleagues in STF um Adrian is 
um, shared some really good uh, mindfulness practice links, which um, hopefully we'll put out as well. It's all up there on YouTube. So, you know, I guess we can do these in groups or we can do them individually as well. But yeah. And the other thing is, I guess, with the theme of kindness, it's just going back to that whole thing about treating others the way you would want to be treated yourself and whether that's in your face-to-face contact, well, you know, virtual contacts with people or whether that's in the emails and stuff that you send people. Like I'll, there was somebody once sent me an email and at the bottom on her signature it said, um, never send an email that you wouldn't want to receive yourself. So I always think, keep that in mind. Um, but it's just sometimes just about being a nice human um, and you know, that some small gesture of kindness can mean a massive thing to the other person. I think that's it. Like, so, you know, there, there's that's been some of the real highlights of this situation is seeing those, like, acts of kindness that people have been doing, you know. um, You know, so just thinking about, like, I'm doing a wee bit of, like, work with a mutual aid um, group that's sort of set up in response to the COVID pandemic and just seeing some of the things that people are doing, like, really going above and beyond, you know, like, people helping neighbours out and things like that and just checking on each other. Because um, some of the interesting stuff we've found with clients is, Obviously, some clients are having uh, difficult um, experiences due to the lockdown, but there's a flip side of that as well, that for some people, they're actually getting more contact. People are checking in on them more. And, you know, so I think you're right, like coming back to that theme of kindness is just like demonstrating that to each other. This is a real reminder right now to do that. And I, I think some of that's just a habit and it's a question of having the time and the imagination to think, you know, what would be kind in this situation and you know can I do that but I think it's also there's a kind of I think this kind of situation unusual extraordinary situation wherein has allowed people to think and that'll be okay to do that I guess that's maybe a good, a good place for us to sort of finish is just thinking about yeah coming back to that theme of kindness and thinking about yeah it's, it's the little things that we can do for e- for each other and also like the small things that we can do for ourselves and and just you know, I guess part of being kind and compassionate to ourselves is also just being accepting when you have a bit of a, a, a down day and just realising the impairments of that as well and that, like, it's kind of natural in the situation because I think it was, like, one of our own staff that sort of posted that around, like, the working at home stuff, you know, so was saying that um, you're not just working at home, you're working or you're trying to work at home in the middle of a pandemic and that, that kind of summed up a lot of stuff for me that yeah, we need to be kind to ourselves. So there we are, kindness is key. So thanks very much for joining us for this special bonus podcast episode. If you liked it, please subscribe, give it five stars and share it with anyone that you think might be interested. You can find out more about Mental Health Awareness Week by visiting www.mentalhealth.org.uk where there's some fantastic resources and more information uh, to help you and your services out. So until next time, thanks very much for joining us. We'll see you then.